0: you down for the children's chat at this time. How are you all today? Good. Good. All right, I want you to think for me. And the first question I'm going to ask you, the answer is not Jesus. All right, I know it's weird. You're still welcome to give that answer because it's always a good answer. But tell me some things that you can do with a tree. You can plant it. You can plant a tree. What? You can take the leaves off, make a pile of leaves, and then jump in the pile of leaves. If it's a fruit tree, you can pick fruit off, fruit tree, pick fruit off of it. What else can you do with a tree? What? Anyone? Do kids not climb trees anymore? Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's been canceled? I don't have a place I can climb up. It's not like... There's no place Trees aren't the same as they used to be. They don't make them like they used to, those trees. Okay, all right. I mean, how are we going to keep the pediatric orthopedic surgeons employed if kids can't climb trees anymore? Let's go. Something else you can do with a tree. Anyone? Anyone? Ooh. You could make a tree house. And what if, what if you cut the tree down? Well, then, you have no more tree. then you have no more tree, but you have what? You could make paper, Lumber. You could build a house. use a Like an axe? Awesome, right? So what happens when you cut a tree down? What's left? The stump, right? And uh, if you have a stump in your yard, can you eat fruit from it? No. No. Can you climb it? No. Not really. Um, Can you do any of the things that you used to do when the tree was there? No. No. So kind of all the fun is gone, and all you have is a stump, and I want you to listen To something that God says in His Word about a stump that's going to grow. Here's what He says There shall come forth a shoot or a branch from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. So, oh, look at that. Thank you, Jimmy. I got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so this is from a tree that was cut down. Does it look like you could climb it? Yeah. Is there any, fru- is there any fruit that's going to come off of this? No, probably not. Right? But God says that... Oof, it's dusty. God says in his word that there's a stump... That is going to, a branch is going to come out of it, and that branch is going to bear fruit. And the stump's name is Jesse. Do you know who Jesse was in the Bible? It looks like the letter Y, because it has the down and the Mm -hmm. the side. Yeah, yeah, looks like a Y. You know your letters. So Jesse was the father of King David. And so if the stump is called Jesse, it means out of the family, out of his family, a branch will come out of a dead stump where things seemed like they were cut down and no longer alive, a branch will grow and it will bear fruit, a flower and then fruit. And that fruit is Jesus. So the Bible says hundreds of years before Jesus was born that where it looked like hope was gone, Someone would be born from that family who would give hope to the world again. That someone is Jesus. So when you're sad and you feel like you're having a bad day, I want you to remember something. Jesus loves you, and there's always hope because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Can I pray for you guys? All right. Father God, bless these children as they study more of your word and hope for kids, fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through your Son Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You'll have a great time in Hope for Kids. You're gonna have fun today. Thank you, Jimmy. Take your stump and go home. That was great. You just had that in your pocket? Something like that. Yes. Let's see. Next children's chat is going to be about $1,000 bills. (laughs) We'll see what happens. (laughs) Will you uh, join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word today? God, our loving Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We pray that as we uh, open... The Bible, that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us and grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you have created us to be. Lord, we ask that uh, as we study your word, you would study our hearts. We lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that keep us from that growth that you want for us. We give you our sins and our failures and disappointments, and we thank you for the forgiveness, mercy, and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. We lift up to you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for your peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses. We pray your healing mercies upon them. We lift up our founding member, Dean Morris, and just pray your continued healing mercies over his body We lift up Yolanda Clifton and her recovery from surgery. We lift up Joshua Johnson and his continued recovery from a car accident this past summer. And we just pray your healing mercies over him. And we thank you for the gift of healing that you pour out upon your people. We lift before you our country, its leaders, at every level of government elected and appointed. And we pray your wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift to you our men and women in uniform. We pray your blessing over them. We ask that you would watch out, especially for those who are in harm's way and bring them home safely. We lift up our military families, who especially those who are separated uh, due to their terms of service, and we just pray you would be close to their hearts and that you would use us to minister your grace to their families. And Lord, we lift up those who have returned home changed as a result of their service. We pray that your Healing mercies would be poured out upon them, mind, body, and soul. And, Lord, we lift up our, your church here at Hope and around the world. We think of the churches we are connected to through our denomination, through our missions giving, and uh, through the churches that are being planted here in Texas, in Katy, and New Braunfels, and in Austin. And we just pray your blessing over those young works of your spirit in those places. Be with us now as we open your word. Open our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So, we have been in a series of messages since sometime in early January. Uh, through, we're working our way through the book of Isaiah. And just to set a little bit of context, Isaiah is a prophet in a, a small little country called Judah. After King Solomon uh, reigned, he was the son of King David... Uh, there was a civil war in Israel, and the, the kingdom divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the kingdom of Judah happened to be where the capital, Jerusalem, was located. It was the tribe of which King David was a part. And that little, what was a, you know, one of 12 states, now became its own country, and it was sort of a tenuous existence. It existed in between several empires of that time, eat from Egypt on one side and Assyria on the other. And it just sort of hung there for a, for a few hundred years. And Isaiah comes along as a prophet in Judah, in that little town, in that little, sorry, that little state. And he sees, through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he sees what's coming. He sees that, that God is going to sort of hold his people to account for their sins, and that he's going to sort of change the way that they exist politically by allowing a, a larger country to come in and literally wipe their government off the face of the earth. Their king will be stripped and taken into captivity, um, and the kingdom of Judah will no longer exist. And Isaiah is able to see this and both prophesy about that coming destruction and also tie that to the sins of God's people in this way, this very simple that if if you continue in in rebellion against God, he's he's going to let you live out the full consequences of your decision. Um, the prophecy was always given in such a way that there was the possibility that God's people could repent, could turn from their rebellion and return to the heart of God and be restored to right relationship with him. And then their political circumstances don't matter at that point. But this is all playing out in history at this time, about 650 B.C. And Isaiah sees it. He also, he also knows in his prophecy that what God's people are going to need to hear when the bottom falls out, when hope seems to be gone, when the tree of their family is cut down and hauled away, and there's nothing but a stump left in Israel. It's, it's barren, there's no life, there's no hope, there's no future. And Isaiah wants to speak to Before it happens, he wants to speak both to the coming destruction as well as to the reemergence of hope from that place of destruction. And I just want to ask you this question on a personal level. Before we read the text, I want you to think about a time in your life when everything felt wrecked, when just the bottom fell out and you felt like hope was gone. And I, I want you to hear this passage that we're about to read as if God is speaking to you about the reemergence of life and light and hope in your heart. So here we go from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 12. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. And faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. A little child shall lead them. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, And from the coastlands of the sea, he will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. There is so much in Isaiah that I'm just astonished by. One that he could, that through God's inspiration he could see what was coming that Israel would be cut down that God's people would be cut down and taken away and there would just be a stump. But his vision went beyond that to to see that from the destruction from the chaos something would emerge would reemerge that there would be life and growth and hope from the very place where everything seemed lost uh, you've probably heard me say before that in in the wake of life's greatest difficulties god does his best work that is exactly what isaiah sees and it is exactly what he proclaims over god's people and his vision goes beyond that beyond just the the bare idea of hope, he specifically identifies the family from which hope shall be reborn in the world. And he goes even further to understand that that hope is going to be born in the form of a Messiah, one who will make all things right. So, If we are to see what Isaiah is trying to say and understand it, we want to begin with this idea that we are to hold on to hope. In the wake of destruction, of the cutting down of our dreams, our lives, our hopes, we are to hold on to hope. This stump implies the, the highest degree of brokenness that, that can be expressed by a poet in words like this. And we, as God's people, th- this is what's so fascinating to me, and also um, that, that phrase that we read in this passage, the fear of the Lord, that God is not afraid Of destruction. He's not afraid of allowing the circumstances of life to cut us down. What he seems to know is that in the midst of the devastation, we are to look up. That whatever life brings, wherever we find ourselves, we are to look up. To look up from the devastation. And to see our unlikely king. So one thing I want you to notice about what Isaiah does here. He doesn't say from the line of David, who was a king. He says from the line of Jesse, who was David's father. Do you know what Jesse did for a living? He was a shepherd he was a shepherd he he had a small piece of land in a little village outside of jerusalem called bethlehem and he had a small piece of property and he raised sheep that's what he did this is not a glorious profession uh this is this is sort of the uh the garbage collector of the ancient world he he didn't have a, a respected job he just survived and here Isaiah says, from that house, not from the house of his son who would be king, but from that shepherd's house will come hope. Look up. God does his best work in the humble circumstances of his people. We are to see our unlikely king, and we are to trust the leading of the Spirit. Verse 2, this is a really remarkable thing for Isaiah to say at the time in which he lived. Sometimes we forget, as Christians, that this idea of the one God existing eternally in three persons, we call that the Trinity, this was not an idea that existed at the time of Isaiah. And yet, he says, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, this branch that shall bear fruit the the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord Isaiah understands that this one who will come will be filled with the spirit of God and so we are to be those who look for this unlikely king and who learn to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit even in the darkness of circumstances and devastation We are not only to look up from the devastation in our lives, we are to look toward what God desires, what he desires for us and what he desires for those around us, that we are to be those who are forward-looking into and toward the will and heart of God. Verses 3 through 5 take us into this heart of God and what he desires, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. What Isaiah is saying is that this Messiah will be able to discern spiritually what we need. He's not limited like other human beings by our inability to perceive what the Spirit is doing. And so we will follow him, we will look towards what he desires. And then notice in the first part of verse 4, Isaiah says, With righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Does that sound familiar? Anyone? Anyone? Blessed are the poor for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Um, I have a theory, and that is that about 80 some odd percent of what Jesus said and taught was derived from the book of Isaiah. Like, Jesus understood that he was the one, that he was this branch that would grow out of the stump of Jesse. And he kept referring back to the book of Isaiah in various ways so that people would be able to connect the dots. And so we have this beautiful and powerful call that if we are to look toward what God desires, it's the restoration of the humble. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are meek in stature, Meek does not mean weak. It's it's what comes after our brokenness when we look up and listen and begin to move forward in faith. God's desire is to restore the humbled, to remove the proud, Isaiah reminds us. Our pride is to be swept off the stage of our lives. If we are to be in harmony with God, we have to remove our pride from the equation, humble ourselves, and look to him as our strength, as our guide, as our light. The desire of God is to restore the humble, remove the proud, and to establish his faithfulness in our hearts, in our lives, in the world. So this is the work of the Messiah. And I would ask you personally how is he doing? How is, how is the Messiah doing in moving into the brokenness in your own life and speaking to it and healing and forgiving and pouring out his mercy upon your heart, your soul, your mind? This is what he does. This one who will branch out from the dead stump and restore hope and life to God's people. And so we are, according to this passage in Isaiah, to hold on to God's hope, the hope of the Messiah, and we are to know his peace. And you see this beautiful metaphor that Isaiah unrolls here in these next few verses of lions lying down with lambs, and predators eating along, eating straw alongside herbivores. And this there's also this metaphor of a child in the midst of these wild animals that's very powerful. What is Isaiah trying to tell us? Well, that we are to know the peace of the Messiah. We're to come under a new law. And... <clears throat> You've all seen, experienced, and felt the consequences of living in a world where the law of the jungle prevails. Survival of the fittest. And sometimes I'm not the fittest. And so it hurts. And there's loss and there's pain and there's confusion. And God says, I want you to have peace. The one that will reemerge, in the brokenness and chaos of your life with hope and love and light, will establish for you peace, something you cannot gain for yourself. And we are to come under this new law of grace. Instead of survival of the fittest, God says, you're mine, I've got you, come with me. We will live together forever. And in that peace, that new law, we come to live in harmony and trust. And we come to live in innocence and safety. That metaphor of a child leading a predator in the garden. right? It's crazy. But this idea that Through the Messiah, through the Promised One, God will establish peace in our hearts. The war is over, and His peace shall reign. We are to come under that new law, and we're to come into the new reality that we are now part of an eternal family that cannot be destroyed, that we are to find healing and restoration out of the hurt and destruction and brokenness of our lives. That God's promise is to restore, to renew, to rebuild, to reestablish hope, life, peace, and love in our hearts. This new reality involves healing and restoration, and it's a call for us to enjoy unity and understanding. Isaiah says, the knowledge of the Lord, let me read it for you, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So I don't know about you, but we come together in God's name. We worship him through music, through prayer, through engaging his word together together And then we go back out into that world where lions do not lie down with lambs unless they are eating them. And I forget. And I get angry. And I express things that don't give peace to the people around me. Um, And God says, just come back. Return. Return. The knowledge of the Lord, this, this knowing a, a being that is not fully knowable, this is, this is a gift. And at some point, when this is all over, we will be in a place where there's nothing but that. Nothing but peace. Nothing but understanding. Nothing but the glory of God shining over us forever. I don't know how... Isaiah saw that when everything around him was about to fall apart. Literally, the bottom was going to be pulled out. The king of Israel was going to be carted off in shame. The town was of Jerusalem, their capital, and their temple was going to be taken down stone by stone until there was nothing recognizable left. And Isaiah says, don't worry. God specializes in bringing about hope and peace and understanding now and forever. And so we are called to hold on to hope. We are called to know his peace. We are called to come into his rest. This is a, a very, very ancient biblical idea. This idea of Sabbath, of rest, of coming to a place where where we understand internally that our battle against God has been ended by one who gives us peace. And so this rest comes by seeing the signal that is held up before us by the Messiah. Isaiah shifts here to talk about this signal that will be set before all nations. All kinds of people will be free to come into the family, the heart, the presence of the Messiah. Um, uh, I'll just give you a little, um, what do you call it when you tell the end of a movie to someone who hasn't seen the movie? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, um, you are the fulfillment of this prophecy. That, that God's word, God's Messiah, God's hope will go to all nations. I don't think any of us who are in this room are genetically uh, Hebrew. You might have some of that blood in your body, but we're not, we're not the genetic lineage of Judaism. We're mutts. And we've been brought into God's family, not based on uh, our lineage, but based on the, the sacrifice of one who was of that lineage who, who fulfilled all of God's law all of God's righteous requirements, and he went to the cross on our behalf. So that he would take on to himself the the worst of that destruction, the worst of our circumstances, the consequences of our sin. And... Out of that devastation, he is raised from the dead to give us light and life and hope eternal. This is the signal. This is the banner on a hill that an army would see to know that the battle was over. They can put their swords back in their scabbards and return to their homes. We are to see the signal. It is the... The cross, the Messiah, the sacrifice for us. And this is a signal for all of us. It does not matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter where you're coming from spiritually. It doesn't matter where you're coming from emotionally. It doesn't matter where you're coming from at, at the, 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 place in society that you find yourself is not relevant to this question. The signal is for you. No matter where you're coming from and no matter how hard you may have resisted, um, there is a long list of countries here that have resisted God's will. But in that day, The root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, the nations, plural, that's everyone, all kinds of people, inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. We are no longer in a state of resistance. We're in a state of rest. So let me just spill another truth onto your lap today. You are God's eternal rest. I want you to imagine um, a grandfather with his grandchild, you know, toddler-ish, four, five, six maybe, somewhere from toddler to that range, in his lap. And they're just reading a book. And that's, that's the image of God with you you are safe there, you are loved there, you are cherished, and you are held there. And you know that that place is love. And this is exactly the type of rest that God wants for you. But more importantly, think about that grandfather. There is no joy in life greater than what he is experiencing in that moment, with his child descendant in his lap, just soaking it in, right? That's the way God feels about you. You are his Sabbath rest, his church, his people gathered into his arms. That is where God is at rest. And so we are to see this signal. And we are to take his hand. This long list of nations who have denied God, who have warred against his people, who have held them captive as slaves, who will carry them off into captivity and defeat them in war. This long list of those who are fighting God. And they will be Offered peace with God. So what does that tell us? That we are to take God's hand no matter what we have done. The gospel, that is the good news of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, is very simple. It's not based on what you have done. It's based on what Christ has done for you. You are forgiven. You are free. You are restored into right relationship with God, and all of the blessings that come with being the Son of God through Jesus Christ are laid upon you. So look up. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are blessed. And it doesn't matter what's in your past. No matter what you've done or how far you may have strayed, God wants you to take his hand, to come back to his heart, to sit with him in rest, in love, in grace, in forgiveness, in peace. Will you pray with me? God, our loving Father, we marvel at your word and how you revealed to your servant Isaiah what was coming but at the same time, what was coming in an ultimate sense, what was already his through the hope of the Messiah. Lord, help us to see in the wake of the devastation in our own lives that it doesn't matter what we have done, how hard we have resisted. You want us to take your hand, to see the sign of your Messiah to accept him into our hearts and to abide with him in eternal peace. Father, help us to manifest these truths on Tuesdays and Thursdays and all the days that we forget. Help us to live in the knowledge of the Lord to understand that your love is eternal and you redefine who we are and how we live. It is in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.